Hey, all you beautiful souls, and welcome to the Eat, Pray, Slay podcast. My name is Shalane Carter. I'm your host. I'm also a personal trainer, yoga teacher, meditation guide, and spiritual leader. This podcast is the perfect convergence of all things health, wellness, yoga, and spirituality, and really learning to break through limitations and open yourself and your spirit up to receiving all the abundance the universe has to offer. Each week, along with myself and many other awesome guests, you'll begin to expand your knowledge and insight on how to level up and step into your highest self. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back, everyone, to the Eat, Pray, Slay podcast. I am sitting here with my good friend, Chelsea Bree, and we've actually been, we've recorded an episode before, so if you haven't listened, it's episode 14, fun fact, Um, so you can go back and listen, but um, I wanted to sit down with her today because I am just always so impressed with her ability to kind of choose that just because something is happening to her, it is not who she is and her level of just resilience. Um, and so I'm so grateful to just have you here and to talk about choosing resilience and to talk about like growing, growing through things instead of getting stuck in them. And so thank you so much for being here. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on another podcast. If you guys, again, if you haven't listened to episode 14, go back. It was a good one. It was a good one. And I, and that's why I was like, when I was thinking about like, okay, there are some things that clients and other people have asked. And um, we're going to talk about Chelsea's history a little bit here in just a second. But she, um, we met in a, a group coaching program and she has developed this program for women who are experiencing endometriosis um, and being really a support for them. And she also does life coaching as well. And so she's really um, taken what would be a kind of overwhelming feeling of like almost like life sentence because it does affect your day-to-day livelihood and and um, affects you know your relationships and all aspects of life. And so you've really done a phenomenal job of taking something and allowing it to really be a part of you, but not control you. Um, so I would love to, uh, even though I would love to hear a little bit about your history and, and just a quick kind of synopsis of, of you know, your diagnosis and, and things like that. Yeah, of course, of course. Um, and thank you for saying all of that. Like, you're such an angel. <laughs> um, and Shalane was like... I only talked to like two people from our group coaching program and now we're like lifelong best friends for sure. Um, but I was diagnosed in 2012 with endo. Um, so like eight years ago, it's 2020 now. And I had two types of like two surgeries for it. Um, where they go in with like a laser, which isn't like the gold standard surgery. It was just like what I was offered at the time. Um, that didn't help my pain. I was in medically, induced menopause and that didn't help my pain and I finally like turned to like diet and lifestyle and mindset and really just like taking control of my own life instead of just like letting my life happen to me um and really figured out a way to manage my endometriosis and my symptoms and really just like live well with endo despite having pain sometimes you know and that's kind of why I got into like coaching and creating my programs and being a life coach and helping with mindset is just because I wish that there was something like that 
when I was first diagnosed because I was in like a dark pit, you know, because um, when you're in chronic pain and you don't know any difference, it can definitely pull you into a hole. Um, and so I don't want anybody to ever have to go through what I went through, which is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Um, but yeah, fast forward to 2020 now, like I've helped hundreds of women, um, thousands of women for free on my Instagram, like every single day and just really being like a voice for them and like giving them their power back almost giving them like the strength to stand up to the doctors and not do the incorrect surgeries like I did and not take the like um, hormonal medications that put them into menopause if they don't want to, you know, like they have a choice and it's really like the balls in their court and I can't like when you're, <laughs> I'm kind of rambling. Um, like when you're like in so much pain all the time and you just feel like you're at the mercy of doctors. Right. And so really being able to take control of your life and take control and step back and realize that yes, we can't change. We have endometriosis, but we can change how we think, feel, act, behave. And in with, in doing that, like you can have a different life, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's been like a wild journey and I'm, I love what I do. I'm so excited. <laughs> like I love being able to help other women. Yeah. Well, and I, um, just while you were saying that, I was just thinking, um, cause a lot of the, what I teach and share is, and I shared something recently about like Western medicine has its place very much. So like there are phenomenal advances, that, you know, Western medicine has made, but Eastern medicine really addresses like, like your mindset. Yes. Like, how do you feel? Like, are you repressing emotion? What happened in childhood? Like what are the daily habits that you're doing day in and day out that are compounding? And so when you're sharing like, Hey, I am focusing on, yes, there are things that are valuable in Western medicine that, that I utilize and things like that. But the reality is what's actually changed my entire life as far as feeling like I'm living has been taking care of, of my, myself as a, as a person, like, what am I feeling? It's okay to feel this way, allowing it to come and allowing it to go and releasing a lot of judgment and shame and stuff like that, that is surrounded with any type of chronic um, pain or any type of um, disease or anything like that, that is long-term that it's not just, Oh, here, you know, take something and it, it's over with. It's like, the reality is like the last place that something manifests is in your physical body, which means there's so much more going on internally that you're glazing over if you're only relying on what doctors say in a, a Western medicine field that yes, they have their expertise, but it is not the only option and doing things that promote wellness all the time give you seem to give you so much more life back, you know? Um, 100 million percent. <laughs> and I'm not like discounting Western medicine at all. Like it has its time and its place. Like excision surgery is the gold standard for endometriosis. But, and I've had that, you know, but I'm not on any medications and I'm still looking well with endo, you know, and I have like less pain days and the pain days that I do have, like they don't consume my life. Right. Like, um, and really addressing like my emotions and my repressed emotions and like feeling, <laughs> feeling the stuff that's like really uncomfortable to feel and letting it process and letting it out. And yeah, like you were saying, addressing the human as a whole and addressing my 
myself as a whole, not just like physically. Um, and I know like a lot of women that have endometriosis, they think like the surgery, the medication, like it's going to be the end of the road, like that's going to cure them. And it's like, no, like we, this is like a, a chronic illness, you know, there's new research that's showing, um, that it was like endometriosis is like placed in the body or displaced during like the malarian, <clears throat> I don't, malarian duct formation, which is like when you are forming as like an embryo, um, and which is why like so many women with endometriosis have like kidney and reproductive issues. Right. Um, and so much of the endo is like placed in that like if it goes from like kidneys to <clears throat> down that way, um, which means like you've had it since you were created, you know, it wasn't something that <laughs> like wasn't retrograde menstruation or something like that. Um, but learning to like live well with it because it is a chronic illness, like we'll probably have symptoms for our whole life, I guess is what I'm saying. And so, yeah. And, um, it, it's interesting to even hear you like say the like chronic illness and so many people automatically think chronic illness and they think like death sentence, you know, like I'm going to suffer for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is going to shorten my life. It's, I'm going to have terrible relationships. Like all of these things are going to now be terrible. Um, and it's interesting. So I'd love to hear your, your thoughts a little bit on how actually like doing the mindset work and stuff, that is more internal, the more, I hate to say like spiritual work, but really it is like tending to your spirit a little bit more has allowed you to have less pain. Yeah. When I was even like, you were just saying like, um, I'm suffering. I am like all of those like super, I'm going to say negative words. They have like negative vibration with them. Yeah. Like I don't let my clients say suffering, you know, like we say like, we are doing the best we can, you know, like it's a change in your verbiage because the way that you actually talk to yourself dictates how you're going to feel, you know, if you chronically or chronically, like continuously like <laughs> talk shit to yourself, you're going to feel like shit, you know, and actually like doing the mindset work and changing your verbiage and like uncovering limiting beliefs and doing the visualizations and like all of this like mindset work to actually create like new neural pathways in your brain. So it's not like I'm thinking myself better. It's like, no, you are actually train like training and changing the formation of your brain mm -hmm. so that you can like physically on a like cellular level, create a different reality for yourself. Yeah. Well, and even like athletes, so professional athletes that are in like the Olympics and things are actually trained to, they do long periods of visualization every single day of them winning it. And it's not just a visualization of like, okay, I want you to see yourself doing it. It's like, okay, how does that feel? How are you winded? Like, yes, like it's a very much a sensory experience. Um, and this is why um, if you've listened to any of the other episodes, you'll understand like in manifesting is something that I always talk about is you actually have to feel in your body what it would feel like to have those things before you have those things because your body doesn't like your physical chemical body on the most biological level does not understand what that would feel like. And so when you continue to wear the hat of suffering and continue to wear the hat of chronic pain, you put on all of the, you know, emotions and all of the feelings that has been placed there by society to that word to that like experience. And so when you're doing things like you're saying and taking that hat off and just saying, this is what I'm experiencing, 
or I'm doing the best I can in this moment, it retrains your biology to actually then respond differently, which gives us not to say like control, but you don't actually realize like when you have, when you are diagnosed with something that's chronic, you feel like you have no longer have control. So this is definitely one of those ways to take, like claim back like your control of your own body. 100%. It's like taking your power back and even like on like an action level, right? So like when you're like constantly telling yourself like, oh, I feel like shit today. I'm suffering with endometriosis. I'm going to have pain. Like if you're predicting that you're going to have that pain, right? Like you're going to do things that are going to cause the pain, right? So you're going to be, instead of like exercising or eating really well and things that you know are going to help you feel better, you're going to like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have pain today. Like I know it. So then you don't do anything or you eat the junk food because fuck it already. Why not? Sorry, can I cuss on here? Yeah, yeah you're good. You're good. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, fuck it. Why not? Um, and then it's going to cause pain and you're going to be like, I knew it. I knew I was going to have pain today. And it's just like a vicious cycle. But when you can wake up and you're like, okay, even if I do have pain today, like I'm still going to be okay. Right. And when the pain does come, you're like feeling empowered because you already made the choice that you're going to be empowered today, you know? Right. Well, and then you resort to the tools and yeah. you already know keep you in a state of feeling better yeah. rather than choosing the things that you know are just going to keep you feeling in your misery. It's like misery loves company. So you choose those things because it feels familiar to that experience because you've already chosen it, you know? Yeah, hundred percent. And I know like a lot of, a lot of women that I talk to, they're like, they want to put everybody else's needs on the forefront right like oh I couldn't possibly eat better or exercise or do these things for myself because I'm too busy with everybody else you know and they kind of hide behind that facade um putting themselves on the back burner and then they're super mad because they're always in pain and it's like okay well if you're not putting your needs on the front line right like of course you're gonna feel like crap anybody yeah. would even with or without chronic illness like <laughs> Well, and um, have you ever read the book by Viktor Frankl? Um, oh, she did say it. Um, Man's Search for Meaning. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so quick little preface, only so it makes sense, is um, <laughs> he is a, before it, he's a, a prisoner inside a concentration camp. And prior, he was a psychologist, psychologist, psychiatrist, can't remember which one right offhand. Anyways, he, um, he gets to a point where, you know, he's experiencing all of this turmoil and this chaos and clear suffering. And he's observing as this doctor, like watching people who have decided, Hey, the Nazis are going to, or the the Americans are going to come save us by Christmas for sure. Their health was really, really great when they had this, um, they had the presence of like hope and faith that the Americans are going to come save us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And as soon as Christmas hit and the Americans didn't come, their immune system severely declined. They got sick very quickly and a lot of them died. Um, And so being able to observe where he was choosing that even though he was technically what other, you know, what societally would be considered suffering, he was choosing not to suffer. He was choosing, you know, you can do whatever to my body, but my spirit you know, is not experiencing this. Like 
I am choosing to learn, like I'm choosing to have compassion and learn empathy. And so it, I love what you're, you're saying about this because it really is, I'm, I'm just going to say it, like it really is a choice about how you're going to experience everything in life because you don't have choices in some of your circumstances. You, you know, go to the doctor, they give you this diagnosis, whether it be endometriosis, whether it be cancer, whether it be anything. And at that point, there's this choice of how then do you go about still living? Yeah, like how can you still live well with this diagnosis? Because a lot of women that get diagnosed, they're like 20. Like I was 20 when I was diagnosed, you know, like. It's a very like, young disease. Or, um, you know. Yeah, young. Older when they're diagnosed. Yeah, if we're like born with it, you know, like it would make sense that it would start to present symptoms of present like in around menstruation, right? Um, but okay, so you were just saying something and it made me think, have you read Super Attractor by Gabby Bernstein? Uh, I've started it. I haven't finished it yet. You know, I always um, have more books going. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> um, so I'm, she was saying something in there where um, she had like all of these chronic health issues going on. Right. And um, one of her friends was saying, like she was talking to one of her friends about how she was like suffering and all of these things were going on. She was like, of course you're suffering. You're living in your body. She was like, but you got to remember like your soul having the, this experience and everything that's happening to your body isn't happening to your soul. That's a reminder. Like when you said that about the man. Yeah. Um, but it's so true. Cause I mean, when you're like, like constantly, I keep wanting to say chronically <laughs> when you're like fixated on your pain. The rest of the, the thing, the rest of the interview. Okay. Um, when you're like fixated on your pain, right. Um, there's actually some, interesting so the like chronic pain cycle um so say like you have pain you're going to anticipate the pain and like predict that it's going to be worse than it is so you're going to like stop doing activities that you love you're not going to do things that like actually help you um and in turn that causes like depression and anxiety which physically changes the way that your neurons fire um, and so your neurons are firing abnormally, causing you to be like even more sensitive to the smallest amounts of pain. So I'm reading this like book from um, like about chronic pain, uh, just like a cognitive behavioral book about chronic pain, like nothing interesting. Um, <laughs> but then there was, she was like telling this story about, she was like these, this patient came in and it kind of sounded like the woman had endometriosis and you touched her barely and she was like, Ah, like she got hit by a bus, you know, and all these doctors were like, Oh, that pain's just in her head. Like she's making it up. She's over exaggerating. She's doing all of these things. And it's like, no, her nerves are just firing abnormally. So she's like hypersensitive to everything, you know? Yeah. And the cool thing about that is because the chronic pain cycle like caused that you can actually like reverse it with like a purpose cycle is what I like to call it. Um, some of, I know there's like a self self care cycle or whatever, but it includes like mindfulness and positive thinking and like re getting into a physical activity thing and stop like shutting yourself off and like getting back into society and basically just like being a normal human again, because when you're like chronically ill, kind of like revert back into yourself yeah. and it's just fascinating fascinating stuff like <sighs> for hours going to tap but yeah <laughs> and I, the thing is 
we oftentimes, I think when there is, um, when there is chronic pain or when there is these things, like we have a tendency to want to separate from what we're experiencing instead of identifying. And again, like as human beings, we naturally want to lean into what's comfortable and we want to shy away from what's not. Um, and it's something that is only reiterated as we grow up. So we have then been taught that every time we're experiencing anything that's uncomfortable, it can be little things like, you know, you're five and you don't get, you know, you wanted this for dinner and mom said no. And so then you're coddled because you're crying instead of being like, no, it's not all about you. It's okay. We'll have that another night and having some type of talk of like understanding that it's okay to be upset, but that's just not the way the world works. Instead of always trying to feel like we can control all of these things and feeling like this, that, okay, well, now that I have this diagnosis or now that I have this, that now my choice, my only choice is pain. My only choice is misery. It's like, there is another choice, but it's actually choosing yourself. It's choosing to be resilient. It's choosing these things, which are equally not as easy sometimes. And I think there's that misconception that like self-care is like flowery and loving and like, I was like, I'm sorry, have you, ever, have you tried to eat like a, a super like micronutrient dense diet? I was like, it's not a whole lot of processed foods. That's where all the fun stuff is guys. Okay. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, yes, that food may taste good. It may feel fun. But when you do that, what flares up, right? It affects your physical body. So then you get into that pain cycle again. So instead self-care sometimes is choosing to have you know, the, the salad, the fruits, the nuts and legumes and, and things like that, that actually feel good and continue to make you feel good all the time, not give you the like instantaneous pleasure with all the pain on the back end, you know, instant gratification, like yeah. it's kind of that fucking cycle. Like I know I'm already hurting anyway. Like my life sucks. I am suffering. Like, fuck it. I'm just going to eat this, even though I know I'm going to be in pain because I'm already in pain. And it's just like, this negative cycle, but I agree hundred percent that self-care is not like bubble baths and candles. And I mean, it, that there's a place and time for that for sure. But like real self-care is like showing up for yourself and having the courage to make the hard decisions and be disciplined and do the things that you know are going to make you feel better. Yeah. One thing I always think, um, I always tell my clients because like when we start doing like the mindset work, like notice even just like noticing your thoughts like noticing how fucking mean you are to yourself like it's painful yeah. it's hard you're like holy shit i am saying all this to myself really like we don't know that we're being that mean to ourselves especially for like not like connected to our body and our mind you know we're just kind of like, normal yeah you know it becomes like and so you're like you don't know any different until somebody's like no, you can. You can choose differently. You're like, yeah. what? You're like, wait, wait. Um, I feel like I just saw like a funny meme about it, but it's like doing the deep internal work and like facing all of that and actually feeling your emotions and processing your emotions is not easy. And so a lot of people are like scared to even do it, you know? And so they'd rather like our bodies and our brains love to be comfortable. We hate change. We're like super resistant to it. And so when change is like hard <laughs> and 
brings up like stuff that you don't really want to face, like it, it's really easy to revert back out of that. But I mean, pushing through that is how you're going to feel better. Right. Right. What would you say is, um, like, how do you continue to choose those things? Like, how did you first start like recognizing that, okay, this doesn't have to be my reality. Um, and choosing to be resilient and not, and choosing to not let it drip over into who you are completely. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it for a very long time, so it's a lot easier now. Right. Or I can just like talk myself down off the ledge. Um, not a real ledge, but (laughs) well, that too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I journal a shit ton. Like I remember like I have this like hundred page document on my computer just from like 2012, 2013, 2014. Cause I would just like write every single night and just like type, 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 like all of my thoughts, like all of my feelings, like poems, all of it, you know, and just like processing all of that. I mean, you don't have to go back and read it if you don't want to. Right. I know that's like, yeah, but just like being able to get it out and recognize like, oh wow, those are the thoughts that I'm thinking. Like the only person that's going to make me happy is me and showing up for myself. Right. Um, and so just like small little choices every single day compounded and getting me where I am right now. You know, it doesn't have to be these big, huge shifts and life changes. And <laughs> it's just like little small shifts and choices every day. Well, and even if you think about it every time, all the little things like what you choose to eat, you know, do you choose to wake up, you know, at a time that feels good for you to where you can still work out, you're not rushed, like you're not adding all this extra stress, like all those are, they can either be the choice that you're making because you love yourself and you're choosing those things because you know it makes you feel better or you're actively choosing not to. When people are, are I've had clients that are like, well, I just feel like I have no choice and it's like, no, there, it is always a choice. No choice. Choosing to do nothing is also choosing. So it's like, like that, like all those little things that you're choosing just reaffirms to yourself that I am choosing my health. I am choosing me as a priority. I'm choosing to be resilient. I'm choosing to not sit in suffering. I'm choosing that I can feel suffering, but that is not, I am not, I am not suffering. I am just, you know. Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm not self-identifying with all of those little things. Instead, like all the little things help you to uh, to strip away like what's not you. Yeah, exactly. And just like becoming more of yourself, you know, um, instead of what society has told you or what like a doctor told you. I know. Um, I know when I was first diagnosed, like I totally identified. I was like. I am endometriosis. Like I am Chelsea. I have endometriosis. Like that's who I am, you know? And like, so I totally identified with the girl who's in pain. Yeah. This is just going to be my reality forever. The doctor told me I can't, if I don't have kids right now, it's 21 that I'm never going to have kids. And I was like, okay, I just not, I'm going to be infertile. I'm not having kids. Cool. Um, it was obviously more work than that, but I'm, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Um, but it just like, I totally identified with that person. And when I realized that I had a choice in being the person that I wanted to be, and I, the choices that I was choosing 
because I felt like I was helpless and didn't have a choice, right? Like I was drinking all the time. I was doing all the bad things like chain smoking, like all the things that were not good for me and that were not helping me and not making me feel better, you know? Um, and when I realized like the woman that I was becoming, I didn't like that woman. Like I looked in the mirror and I was like, who the fuck are you? Like, I don't even know who you are, you know? (laughs) Um, and so I started journaling again, you know, I'm getting back into like, well, what kind of woman do I want to be? Like, who do I want to be? What values do I want to have? Like, what is important to me in my life? Like what kind of relationship do I want to have? Not just like random drug addict guys, you know? Um, you mean that's not your type? <laughs> I thought it was. I was trying to be that <laughs> girl, you know, not really, but <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just like that's not me. That's not who I am. It was like this facade that I had built up for myself because I thought that I was a different person because I was identifying with endometriosis, you know. Would you I would you say that because you were identifying that way, like you definitely felt like you lacked worthiness for more? Um, a hundred percent. Yeah. And that's probably why I was choosing guys that were addicted to drugs and over drinking and chain smoking and eating, barely eating. And when I did eat, it was like a pint of ice cream and like, (laughs) just like making terrible choices, you know? Um, yeah. And I did not like that girl. Did you have like a moment where you're like, I don't want to choose this anymore? Um, yeah, I felt like I had like hit rock bottom and I was, (laughs) I had like broken up with this guy and, um, my reaction to that breakup was unproportionate to like the length and duration of the actual relationship. It wasn't even like a breakup. It was just like, we stopped talking, you know? Um, and cause we never actually really dated, but it just kind of had me like reflect and be like, holy fuck what is actually happening to me right now like I don't like this person I don't like who I'm dating I don't like the path that I'm going on um and so I started to like do the actual inner work and like grieving all of the the old life that I thought that I wasn't for me you know um and started making like choices to become that woman that I wanted to be does that make sense yeah isn't it interesting how a lot of times it's um, people or experiences like that where truly in that moment, again, like if the reaction is disproportionate to the event, there's this like overwhelm and there's this like workup of, of energy that you're like, that doesn't make sense. Like why? But, but the difference is looking at it and instead of feeling like continuing to stay in that, like, poor me you know type of thing you were like wait a second why am I so bothered by this (laughs) that is truly like that pivotal point of like again observing like I don't have to choose this like why why am I choosing this this like curiosity of like this seems peculiar and instead of like continuing to like beat yourself up or do any of those cycles it's like that one moment you chose differently and so then the next time you can choose differently than the next time, you know, and those things all compound. And like, that's truly where like the resilience comes from 
is it's not because you chose one time. It's because you continue to choose. And every time you slide back or maybe made a choice that you're like, fuck, why did I do that? You then chose again. Hey, I can always again, choose again. Like it's never, nothing's ever stagnant. Ever. And I love the way that you just put that too. I know. Um, it was like that curiosity, a hundred percent. Like, why am I, why is this happening? Right. Like, and why can't it be different for me? Yeah. You know, what kind of woman do I want to be? And just like getting curious about my life. And I was not happy where I was obviously. (laughs) Um, and so like asking, like, how can I be happy? Yeah. What do I need in my life? Like, how can I show up for myself to become this woman? How can I show up for myself to never like feel like this in a relationship again? And like, I grieved that I like started facing my emotions, started facing my and processing shit. And it's fine. I met Eli like six months, seven months later. <laughs> um, it's, and- that's how it happens. That's how I met, met my fiance too. I'm like, yeah. As soon as I was like, this, this is not who I am. I'm not choosing this anymore. And then I was like, oh, well, see, but I, something I actually teach my clients. I'm like, if somebody else has something instead of, I don't like jealousy again is an emotion, but Mm -hmm. instead of choosing, uh, like jealousy as comparison, what happens is moments like that, you're actually choosing that I've seen that other people have it. That means that's a possibility for me too. And then what do I need to do to align myself to be in that position for that? And so choosing differently instead of choosing the same things that got me where I am, you know, it's like a benchmarker instead of like jealousy. 100%. I know like it was funny. Like when I met Eli, like it was like a no brainer. (laughs) Um, Like he kissed me in a porta potty line and then I was living in Denver and he like flew up to Denver a few weeks later and we went to a concert and like all these things. Um, But because I had like actually done that inner work, right. And actually like grieved and processed and done like the ugly shit. (laughs) Um, I was like ready to actually date him. You know, like if I would have met him like a year before I'd been like, you're way too stable for me. I am I am a bad girl. I don't know. I can't even say that with a straight face. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> You're like, maybe that's a different term. Hold on. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I can't say that. <laughs> and you want to know what's funny? Like, it had to have been like a year ago. Um, Eli was talking about, we were like chatting about his niece, I think, or my niece, I don't know, um, just like coming to stay with us. And he was like, yeah, it'd be really nice for her to be around like a, like a strong, confident woman. I was like, me, I'm confident. I was like, oh, oh, I am. I'm totally a strong, confident woman. Like I didn't even realize that that's where I had gotten, but that was like the woman that I wanted to be. And now I'm here, you know, it's like, right. You're like, hold on my journal. Let me tell you how in the making is this manifestation. It's coming. (laughs) But it is, it's one of those things where it's like you, you know, again, like people always think that it just happens overnight. And if your diagnosis was 2012 and it's 2020, like that's eight years in the making of, again, continuing to choose yourself. You know, again, there were like detours in the beginning, but yeah. 
but like then it gets to a point where you're like choosing yourself becomes a no-brainer you know choosing that you don't have to you don't have to identify with suffering you don't have to identify with any labels that are put on you i talk about this to my clients all the time i'm like yes you're a mother that doesn't mean that you you know have to only stay home and serve your children and all of these things you can be a really great mom and be a really great businesswoman and be a really great softball player and do all of the, like you don't have to that doesn't make you a bad mom just because what you've seen attached to that title is all of these things you don't have to you know your life doesn't have to be miserable just because you've been told you're probably going to suffer a lot of pain you know what I mean? Like it doesn't have to be that way. You can always choose differently. Right. When I know like, um, if you are in like a lot of pain right now, like get curious, obviously like about your entire life, like look deep down and see inside, like, what are you saying to yourself? Like what behaviors do you have? Like coping behaviors that are not helping you, you know, like, what are, are you drinking too much? Are you like not actually taking care of yourself because you feel like, fuck it, I'm already broken, right? You're not broken. You're not broken and your life doesn't have to be chronic pain. Yeah. Well, and what's interesting is like, um, I've noticed my clients who have like autoimmune diseases, every single time they have a flare up, it's because there's usually been stress in their life that they feel the need to take care of. And so I'm like, okay, is that yours really to take care of? Do you need to do that? Are they a capable adult human with, you know, even if they may have some things that they maybe need help with, is it your job to emotionally take that on? And so we kind of work through those things because you don't even realize like when things are going on that you have past experiences that are funneling into what you're currently experiencing. So if you're experiencing pain, if you're experiencing like suffering or struggle or anything like that, like, is it because you're reliving something from a long time ago? That's just, this feels familiar. And so that feelings resurface. And so again, we kind of talked about that like chronic pain cycle of like, it feels familiar. I've been here before. I'm anticipating then all the things that happen and my body responds. Like our bodies are so smart. We just, we don't like to give them enough credit. <laughs> no, they are so smart. Um, have you ever read the body keeps score? Yes. Love that book. Have you read uh, When the Body Says No? Ooh, no. You'll like that one. What's that one about? It talks a lot about um, chronic pain, um, a lot of like uh, cancer, MS, different um, diseases that are, again, like life altering, and how the behavioral patterns are similar in, in like large groups of people that they've studied. And so it's really, really interesting because it, it really blends the emotional like spirit of feeling with how then it manifests as a physical ailment and like the similarities between all these people that emotionally are experiencing things and then how it manifests as like a, a physical ailment. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, it's that I am going to love that. <laughs> Um, so it's interesting because like, this. <laughs> <laughs> like with, uh, like with chronic pain, right? Um, you're like, we were talking about earlier, like your nerves are abnormally firing. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but when this happens, so like you have what's called like your reptilian brain, right. Which is like the amygdala and it, it like, it's like fear 
fight or flight, like all of these things. And when you are in chronic pain, like you're, because your nerves are overfiring like that, your body is thinking that it is like an actual attack, right? And so then fears, emotional trauma, stress, all of that actually causes those nerves to fire again. So I know like, um, for me, my stress is a huge trigger. Like the only flare up that I've had, like bad flare up, where I was like vomiting all day, like pins and needles all over my whole body, um, was after a huge stressful day at the hospital when I, I used to be an ultrasound tech. Yeah. Um, and I would always have like a little bit of pain after like working at the hospital. Um, just the stress of being there. Right. Um, but stress is just a huge trigger and most people don't think about that. They're like, what did I eat? They look at all the physical things. Like, what did I eat? What, what movement did I do that caused this? You know? And it's usually, it's not always that. Yeah. Because again, like we've learned to emotionally cope from the time that we're born. Then again, like if you observe, how did your parents cope with anytime they were in pain, anytime they were suffering or struggling or anything like that. And it doesn't just have to be with pain per se, but it can be with money. It can be in relationships. And now you've adopted either the, a lot of times it's, depending on your uh, relationship to your parents too, it's like you've adopted either the same coping like mechanism when you feel something like that, or you've developed a coping mechanism to appease their coping mechanism. So if they're yelling and angry and stuff like that, you've learned to be more submissive and subdued. And so then anytime you feel something, you don't share. So now you're repressing all of these things and, and like it has to go somewhere, you know, Exactly. And so um, like that, when you feel something similar, like in that, like going to work and you're like, it's not the same thing, but it elicits a similar feeling. And your body's like, this is how we respond. The end. I've been here before. Done. Yeah. Well, yeah. like the body and your brain, like they love comfortable and they love to make things easy. That's why like habits are created, right? Because your brain likes to automate things. And so just like you were saying, like, if it's like, oh, I've been here before. Done. Flare. Right. <laughs> um, and really like, understanding that and like deep cover like uncovering those things and like realizing like what is actually happening right and then allows you to process that and hopefully change that stimulus right yeah and and that I think again that's where like that catalyst of changes where you talked about there was that one moment and it's like did it mean the next time that you had a flare-up you weren't you know, tempted with all of these things. No, the next time you're struggling or experiencing something similar, your body is naturally going to want to revert to those things that has helped it, quote unquote, before. But really, it hasn't really helped it. It's just gotten you through those times. So now it is difficult to kind of choose differently those things. But again, when you choose yourself, you're choosing to be resilient. You're choosing, you know, I want to live my life. I don't want to feel controlled by my um, diagnosis. And yeah. that's how I live my life, you know? Well, um, I really like powerful. So, you know, um, people like when they're manifesting things and like visualizing, they're like trying to think of themselves in the future. Mm-hmm. And a, like a really great hack for this is actually think of it in the past, like pretend like it already happened to you mm-hmm. and speak of it in the past tense because your body can't tell that that's not something that you're actually like actually hasn't happened. You know, if your brain thinks it already happened, your body thinks it already happened. So you can do like visualizations to kind of rewire that. Yeah. So, so great. Oh man. Thank you so much. I feel like this has been such a great conversation. And if you have like 
I feel like there's so many takeaways, like where to start. <laughs> um, but we would love, if you love this episode, we would love to hear about it. We would love to hear about your greatest takeaway. Um, you can screenshot this, share it on your Instagram stories, tag myself, Shalane Carter, or Chelsea at Chelsea, C-H-E-L-S-E-A-A-A, three A's, Brie, B-R-I. Um, we would love to hear about it. Just we, the reason we podcast and share and all these things is to help people and to teach people. So we love to hear when you're listening. You can always leave a review on iTunes or Spotify and we're so grateful for you. Thank you again so much, Chelsea, for sharing all your wisdom and all your love and just appreciate you. Oh my God. Thank you for having me. And if anybody wants to chat more about this, my DMs are always open. Yeah. She's the best guys. So thank you so much, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye.